Hello, and welcome to the OK What's Next podcast with Jason Van Ruler. I'm your host, Jordan Hebner, with Soft Landing Recovery. And this week, we're talking to Rebecca Scott, who's a South Dakota native and a designer. Is that correct, Jason? That is correct. You know, can I just stop you for one second, though, Jordan? Mm-hmm. Can you tell me just, um, just for like 30 seconds what Soft Landing Recovery is? Soft Landing Recovery is a coaching service for people that are dealing with addiction. Oh man, I bet that is totally needed right now. Yeah, a lot of people are in their homes and struggling, so I've been busy. Okay, and so your job is basically to help those folks walk through that dark time and maybe kind of overcome some of that stuff, but also maybe find community that can help them with that. All of that and you know, help them make good decisions for their future and get out of whatever hole that they might be in. Man, I love that. And I just thank you. I mean, I think the world of you, but I know everyone else doesn't know you the way I do. And so I just thank you for that work because I think it is so important right now. And I think, you know, actually it reminds me a little bit of this guest, Rebecca Scott. She kind of talks about this attitude of grit that she has. And I think that that Mm. is so important, especially when dealing with tough things. Yeah, yeah. I always think of John Wayne when I think of grit, like, you know, true grit. Yeah, I think he kind of just coined that term. I mean, it, it, it fits him probably better than anybody else. And so I think that grit is important when facing really any challenge. But like for Rebecca Scott, for instance, this grit has allowed her to become an author, a designer, an entrepreneur, and also a coach, which is pretty amazing, I think. Wow. Yeah, all faceted. That's amazing. Well, let's hear it with Rebecca Scott. Welcome to another episode of the OK What's Next podcast with Jason Van Ruler. Today, I am talking with Rebecca Scott. Rebecca is a designer, an author, a mother, an entrepreneur, a podcaster, and all-around inspirer. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I am thrilled. We were talking a little bit about this stuff before the show, but I was saying you were such an inspiration to me already just from all the things you've been doing. So. Maybe people aren't familiar with it yet. If they're not, can you tell them a little bit about this laundry list of things that you are currently working on and doing well? Okay. Well, I'm also very real. <laughs> so okay. I will always say that as well. You're still human. Um, That's good to I, know. Yes. I always say when people make mistakes, I'm like, oh, good to know you're human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's lots of grace and humility mixed in. But I am owner and designer of Rebecca Scott Designs, and that is a custom person accessory business. So I'm here in the Midwest and I live on a farm. And I was always told, I grew up what we call West River here in South Dakota. I grew up West River where they told me, if you're going to be a designer, you're going to have to head to the coastlines. And I was like, I don't want to. I'm a ranch kid. Like I wanted to stay on open prairie. I don't want to see my neighbor's house, right? So I actually pursued something else. I pursued radio and TV broadcasting and then got back into design. And I'm always proud to say that because I did figure a way to be a designer here in the Midwest. So I designed purses and accessories where the customer actually gets to pick which style they'd like, which fabric they like, leather and zipper. Because I believe that when you create, you receive joy. And then you can blossom into whatever it is that you want to do. So I provide that platform for them to be able to create and go, wait, this is really fun. Maybe I should create my own whatever that is. And so that's my um, most full-time gig. I'm a mother of four. So that's a full-time gig as well. Sure. And married sure. to one guy. So that one's not as busy. <laughs> okay, that's good. And then I have a podcast business and I wrote a book. And the reason that I started the podcasting in the book was really because I would go to shows. Um, I try, We call it the art show circuit. Hmm. So I would set up at like what people call 
a craft show or an art show. And people would be in my booth and they'd read my signs that say, mother of four, wife to Nicholas, owner and designer and author. And they're like, wait, 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 how are you doing this? Because I have quite a bit of inventory. They always ask how. And so I thought, well, the best way I can explain it, because I have a radio background, is just to record some podcast episodes on my systems. And so you'll hear me say frequently systems. And so that's how my podcast business started. I just wanted to make sure that they knew I wasn't swallowing some magic mom pill or, you know, only surviving on two hours of sleep because that's not true. And so I just started writing down and recording everything I could to help working moms know that it is possible. It's possible to harmonize both work life and family life and food life and me life, all of it into one and harmonize them together. Be careful. I did not say balance. I said harmonize because I don't really. There's no mention balance, of balance. But. It was it was harmonize. No balance. Yeah. How did you make that decision to get started with the business? I know I read a little bit about that process and you kind of talked about making that decision, even though some people had told you, like you said, probably not going to be possible mm-hmm. unless you relocate it. How did you decide to do that and then have the courage to do it, even in the face of maybe some naysayers? So I have been sewing since I was four years old. So that part came naturally to me. I love to sew and create and craft. And I, again, abandoned it because they said you couldn't do it. So I thought, well, I can do radio. But then I wanted to start a family and I knew that I wanted to be home with them. And what would be really great is if I got to stay home and sew all day and raise babies. And so I cut out some purses for Christmas gifts because we were poor at the time, both students. And they kind of took off. And it was a quick project that was done in two to three hours. It looked cool. People loved it. So I thought, well, I could do this. So I started working at it until like 2 a.m. And I was getting orders from my family member's friend that liked the purse I gave to them at Christmas. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is my ticket. If I could just accelerate this, I can quit radio and have a bunch of kiddos. And that's exactly what I did. But I love that you asked the question is like, what made you start it? I don't know if it's just an entrepreneur spirit in me. I never thought... It wasn't an option. Like it's always everything, especially now, is always an option for us to do. With the power of the internet, as antiquated as that sounds, everything is possible for everyone, really. Like you're one Google search away from figuring it out. That's true. I mean, it sounds like you didn't even spend a lot of time worrying about the people who had said it wouldn't work. You just did it. Is that something you've always been able to do, or is that a skill set you developed maybe through experience? Well, I think it was the fuel of knowing they said I couldn't that actually helped me to succeed at it. Like, I'll prove it to you, right? I like that. So that fueled it a little bit too. And my mom would say, oh gosh, since I was little, there was nothing you told me that I couldn't do that I would figure a way. And not in a stubborn way, just in a like, maybe I'm making it a prettier word than it is. Maybe it was a stubborn way, but I would just always figure a way to make it work or to do it. It's just in my nature to have that kind of grit. Okay. And I love that word grit. That's a good word. I think that that's pretty necessary if we're going to pursue some dreams. Yes. And I would say this too is, and my podcast talks about it frequently too, just because I'm saying it's innate to me, it's actually in all of us if we find what it is that we're passionate about. And it doesn't have to be this sexy thing. It could be something so very practical, but you're just really good at it. And it just always makes sense to you. So I just want to say, you know, it's not just because this is how I, that Rebecca was formed like this. It's very accessible to all of us to have this quick wittedness about what we're passionate about and how to pursue it. You just got to find what that is. Yeah, I really agree with that. And I can relate. It might not be something that is 
design business or something like that. It might just be being a good parent or being a good spouse or enjoying your job or things like that. And so to your point, it doesn't always have to be this big, shiny thing, but we are all kind of searching for that passion. And so for you, you identified that early on and you run with it. And it seems like that's really opened a lot of doors for you. How did that lead into Mm -hmm. writing? Was that just an extension of the podcast and that sort of thing? So the writing came about, I had recorded already a hundred podcast episodes thinking I poured my heart out into everything that I do so that it was accessible for everybody to know all of their systems to stay organized and still do what they love. Right. And they were still asking for more like, gosh, I love listening to the podcast. I listened to them twice. I just need more. Mm-hmm. And I thought, gosh, how can I give you more? And I didn't want to do a blog because I was already keeping up with my two businesses, podcasting and designing. But I thought, you know, I've always wanted to write a book that is on my bucket list. So what if I wrote my systems into a book so they had something tangible that they could read and refer back to? And that's and only the way that I do it is with a lot of humor, telling them all the mistakes I made. <laughs> and then also just really nitty gritty on the systems. I narrow everything into four systems, your food system, your meat system, your work system, and your family system. So if you think of anything in your life, all of those that's going wrong, one of those ends up in one of those four systems. Okay. And so I just encourage in my book, I just spelled it out like, okay, if you're really stressed out, let's narrow down. What are you really stressed out about? Because chances are, it's not all of them. It's just one of the systems. So let's take a look at that one and break it down. Yeah, I like that. I think it feels sometimes like it's all of them, but the chances are it's actually just one thing. Right. And it's just a lot of overwhelm. So the book came about after just wanting to give them something tangible that when they are stressed out, they can grab the book and go, wait, this gal thinks it's possible. And I see her live it. So it's got to be possible. Let me take a look at this book again. Are there ever any situations where you don't feel that way? I mean, do you ever face something? I know you're human and you said sometimes you have doubt and you struggle with all that stuff too, but do you ever face a project and wonder to yourself if it is possible or is that something that you figure out later? Oh no, I have a really great story for that. I had a $10,000 mistake, $10,000. Now, obviously this one, I did not know it would be that expensive, but people were asking for more of my product, my first product. And I just didn't know I had sales reps, which by the way, was my cousin and my roommate and my twin sister. That's great. (laughs) I love it. Not fancy sales reps, but family that you roped into it, right? And they were selling my products. We got together. We had a meeting together. And this is how humble it was. We met my 140-year-old farmhouse and the heater stopped working. So we were all in our mittens and coats inside. No kidding. Okay. I'm getting a real Laura (laughs) Ingalls Wilder vibe from this. Uh, This is a great story already. (laughs) Yes, I totally got to set it up like that. So we're meeting. I'm saying, what do you think we can do to increase sales this year? I want this to be a growth year. How can we increase sales? Well, being sales reps, they said, how about a catalog? Because the catalog is shiny and we can get people to order from the catalog and they can leave it at places of business. You know, like when you go to an office and somebody's having a Tupperware party. Okay. So I thought, okay, a catalog it is. That's a great idea. Have the catalog made. $5,000 to make it another five grand to publish it and get it distributed and blah, blah, blah. You know how much money I made from the $10,000 catalog? I won't forget this. It was like $671. Okay. That's it. Not the return you were hoping for. Oh my gosh. No. And so it hurt and stung bad enough that I knew I had to sit with it and think about it. Like what went wrong? I asked the sales reps what they wanted. I delivered And what went wrong is that I asked the wrong audience. Hmm. I should have asked my customers, what would you want? Not my sales reps who were 
just working with what they had and what they knew they could sell was the catalog. But I didn't ask who was actually paying the bills. And that's important. And, oh, yes. And so if I would have stopped long enough to go, well, what do the customers want from us in the coming year? I know they would have said website. And they did. And so then I built a website and paid for the website within six months because they were so hungry for it and the design your own experience. But I think I had to go through that mistake of now I always think of something big and new. I always go, wait, wait, let's ask the customers if they actually want it. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, we have to have those things to kind of level us out a little bit. It can't all be success. Otherwise, I think we end up taking too much risk. Sometimes, unfortunately, we need to have those moments that are learning moments, even though like you said, sometimes they cost a lot of money and we walk away and we go, I wish I didn't do that. But at the same time, mm -hmm. that's really inspired your business to go in a direction that is probably more lucrative, but also more desirable, right? People actually want that. Could have ruined me. I could have sat on it and been like, okay, well, I guess they just don't want purses or whatever. But I was grateful I had enough insight to go, no, 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 what went wrong? And so I had to sit with it your attitude and approach to all this stuff seems very positive and you just kind of walk through and logic your way through it and you care what's reasonable. I know you're a faith person. How much does faith factor into that personality that you have or the way that you view the world? Well, everything really, I mean, everything is filtered through and I kind of get the giggles that God uses an extra dose of humor with me where he's like, Becca, why do you always choose option C, which is probably the most difficult one where I'm like, I'm just going to do this when A is clear to him that that should be my choice. So I think God really does use multiple choice for me because he knows it's going to take me a couple tries before I land on what it is that I should do. But it really fuels everything. I don't think I will ultimately fail at anything when he is giving me joy throughout the process and that I can teach others from the mistakes I make. So even if I'm like, well, if this bombs, I'll have a great story to tell the podcaster to the listeners. It just plays a huge part. And it's also why I wanted to stay home with the kiddos. I didn't want them to go to daycare and be raised by someone else. Not that that's bad, moms. If you're listening, that's not bad. That just is not what I wanted. I just could not picture myself doing it. So it made a big decision. I was like, God, I want to see all of their first, which by the way, I didn't. I still missed first. But it did allow me to make sure that I instilled as much faith as I possibly could about who I was in those growing years. God always reminds me very gently to just how human I am, which is also, I think, the good sense of humor we have between the two of us. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> I guess I'm human and I can't do everything. It's unfortunate, but sometimes we realize that. Yeah. And, and sometimes I think God is good about reminding us if we get confused. Just gives us a little, oh, yeah. I can't, little notification about that. I think you'll find this humorous because I designed for a living. I got a couple ideas for God when I get up there. I want to kickstand off with my elbow, like this yeah. extra appendage. Because think how handy that would be when you're doing the groceries or you have the baby and the toddler and the grade schooler where you're this like, I just idea. had one more appendage. Okay, that one. And then I'm going to have a serious talk about, I swear I've used 10% of my life chasing socks. Like, I want to talk about socks. Can we just grow furry wool on our feet when it gets to a certain temperature? Like, can we just talk about that? And then I know he's going to be like, oh my gosh, well, you are here and you are still not humbling yourself about that my design was perfect. <laughs> You're a creative person. You can't help it. It's just, it's what's inside. It just comes out. The kickstand idea, I'm taking that. That's a good one. That, that's a good one in the built-in socks. So there's nothing wrong with those. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about, I know you do some work kind of helping people to get where you're at and help them maybe get to some of those dreams. 
what's the message that you often have for those people who are maybe on the brink of doing something or contemplating doing it, but are unsure or maybe fearful about taking that next step? What do you tell that person? I would say just one percent it. So let's say you want to write a book and you're like, I've had this idea for 10 years. First of all, I'm like 10 years. It's a long time. Why didn't you just start something after two years? Like, yeah, I mean, don't wait. And just one percentage. So you want to write a book. Okay, well, write one paragraph a day. Doesn't even have to be an organized thought. I just want you to get in the habit of writing. Mm. Or let's say I want to start a business and I'm pretty sure it's going to involve my painting. Okay, how could you one percent it? You're going to Google search the closest art show to you in the next month. That's just one percent of you. It's such an approachable thing than thinking, I'm going to start a business and I'm going to do 20 shows this year. That's overwhelming. But if I'm going to try one show that's only $30, that's 1% in it. And so everything is doable at 1% increments, especially when they're, especially the audience that I speak to and our different stages of life, you need to have the grace to be able to do something at 1% when you're nursing a baby or potty training or doing kids practice for the 90th time. 1% is a super approachable way to starting anything. Yeah, I think we all want that idea of I'm going to go away for two weeks and write a book or something. And, and the reality is we just don't have that time. And so we have to, like you said, just set reasonable goals for ourselves. And 1%, I like that a lot. I mean, I think that works and it's realistic. And if you don't like doing 1%, chances are you probably don't need to do more. So I think it's a good way too to feel out if the idea is even going to be fruitful. And that is so wise. And because most of the ideas, usually you are an overachiever. If you already have been thinking about this, it's just some fear with it. But the 1% usually turns into about 10%. Mm-hmm. And then that snowballs into about 20%. And then you're blocking in time for it that you didn't think you had. Right. And so that 1% is just my hook for you to just turn it into about 100% once you get some steam. Okay. So what are you currently 1%ing? What are you looking at on the horizon or what's next for you? Well, tons of things because I love creating a three to five year plan. My 1%, ooh, what's a little tiny 1%? My next book is going to have the title written it somewhere. And I want to do a bunch of research on, is it innate? Is it something that I was just born with? Or is it something that can be developed? So I have an opinion on both. So I just, just started Googling a little bit about, I'm going to try to consume as many books on grit as possible over the month of January to February. And I am creating my company, Rebecca Scott Designs, into a larger umbrella company called Rebecca Scott Co. Okay. And I would like to dabble in some more businesses like baby line and a jewelry line and a paper products line for my podcast listeners to have more daily planners and cards, a greeting card line, a men's line underneath my big umbrella. And so that's a huge meaty project that will take between the next probably five to seven years to fully develop it. But I'm very excited to get started on that. Wow, that's huge. That's great. I mean, you have the smaller stuff, but like you said, then you've kind of got this big projection for what you want to do and you're just going after it. In all of those things that I just mentioned, I have taken at least 1% steps towards all of them. Like what kind of baby products do I want? What kind of men's line do I want? And that's all just 1%. Okay. Maybe the last question I'd ask you is what do you do when you have a five to seven year plan, like you said, and that's a huge plan that I love. There's so many good things about that and a lot of creativity. What do you do when you're in the mix of it, but it hasn't been realized yet? So what do you do year two where you've done a lot of work, but you're not to the end yet? How do you stay invested or how do you stay 
as positive about it, even if you're maybe not seeing the result that you're hoping for yet? So a couple different thoughts, and I have an actual story based on this, is if it hasn't happened and I'm still putting in all the work, but it hasn't happened, what's the core problem? Is it because I'm the one that actually has some reservations about it and that's why it's not rolling out? So then you just need to get really quiet with yourself and ask God, like, what's going on? Why is this not rolling out like I had pictured it? Or is it because it's a fear-based thing? Is it because you're fearful of it actually succeeding and what that would mean? Or is it because it's not actually what you want to do and you don't know how to tell everybody you've already done 50% of the project? And this happened to me. I wanted to build a barn studio on our West Acres over here. And I don't know what it is about my personality, but when I say, let's think about this, people start jumping like, okay, Okay. Becca's on it. And we know how fast she moves. So my husband already drew up the plans. He was ready to roll with it. We were going to build this barn studio. And then I just, I couldn't make any momentum on it. My team would ask me during staff meetings, like, all right, where are we at with the barn studio? Uh, Are we buying supplies yet? Is that in three years? Have you thought about the layout? And I was like, "I, I just need some time to think on it. And it wasn't working well with my gut, so to say. I don't actually want a barn studio out here. I didn't want to be away from my home because my children are still here. My youngest is five. And so I could not picture myself outside of my current studio space. And my brain was working in eight to five. And so I halted it and threw away the plans and just said, pause. I have no more momentum towards this plan. I couldn't get involved in it. So we're all just going to sit on it. And that was scary to have to admit something when I'm normally just all hands in, let's do this. Even if we have friction, let's do this. So I think I got a little bit of wisdom in the middle of it and went, nope, this isn't rolling because I don't want it. That is so impactful because I I think we got to give ourselves permission to do that. You know, rather than saying to yourself, I have to see it through, even if it's no longer a fit or I've changed how I feel about it you were realistic and you said, okay, I have to be honest with myself. This just isn't what I thought it would be, or it's not what I want anymore. And then you had the courage to tell everyone you were stopping. Was that hard to say, Hey, we kind of already did all this stuff and it's okay. So that was tough for you to do. It was very tough because like I said, I say something and people start jumping and I don't mean that in a bossy or tacky way, just in a confident people really believe in me. So when I say something, they're like, all right, let's do this. And then they have to say, uh, I changed my mind, but I'm not thinking small. I just need to rest and think on this. And to be honest, it's still on pause because I have no doubt that a facility is needed for the Rebecca Scott Co., but I don't know what it looks like yet. And I'm okay with that. I'm going to keep pursuing all of the little ones underneath my umbrella with 1% until an idea formulates that we can all get behind. Wow. That's helpful to me too, just to hear that. Cause I think we get into this pattern of doing. And so we tell ourselves we have to do all these different things. And so just to hear you say, yeah, you know, actually if something's not working, it's okay to just call it or pause it until you know with more certainty. It's so true to do that. Also, if you're only doing it at 1%, how much more affordable is that mistake? Right? Yep. If you bought a big podcast studio with all the most expensive equipment and, and, happens big space and then we're like hey guys turns out I don't actually like this it's way more humbling right but if you've only done it at one to ten percent it's like okay I guess I throw away the microphone but it's no big deal so the one percent is also like a really humbled affordable way of approaching things too because then you're not knee deep in debt that's great where were you before I started this I am the guy with the whole thing and where were you you, you should have told me this stuff I I did everything 
That's true though. The smaller we make it, the easier it is to walk away if we need to or to pause it because we don't have that huge investment. My siblings will come to me and they do not ever mention an idea to me unless they actually are willing to do the 1% because they know my first word will be like, all right, have you Googled it? Have you made a phone call? Have you whatever? Because it's just, it's seriously that simple and actionable to take at least a few steps. And then you can roll with a different idea if you're like, mm-mm, mm-mm. But man, that 1% is just always what I tell people. Just do the 1% of it. Yeah, and I think that takes away a lot of the fear too because you, you have a lot smaller fear about Google searching something or maybe making a phone call. That's very doable. Whereas if we're saying, well, hey, let's go build this studio, that becomes expensive and there's a lot of moving parts. And so that can be really scary. But if you just said, hey, let's research what it looks like to have an office like this, that doesn't take a whole lot. And even if you have a little bit of fear or uncertainty, it's pretty possible. Well, even the fear and uncertainty, when you've made those searches and those initial connections, you can ask them, what is the thing that if you could do it over, you would have done over? What part of it? I always call it outwork your fear of whatever it is by asking a bunch of questions. So you can outwork it any day than just wondering, well, I don't know what'll happen. We'll find out the answers, outwork that fear. Definitely doing the research minimizes that. And at least if there is fear, then it makes it more realistic, right? So sometimes there are things to be afraid of, but if we ask people about it, we have a lot better insight about what we're actually afraid of and what we can do about it. Man, these are little nuggets that I think are fantastic for not only entrepreneurs and, and people who are dreaming about things, but people who maybe like you are sitting at the table and they know they love to do something and they want to realize that as more of a lifestyle. And so I just, I want to thank you today for all of this information. I'll link all of your stuff so people can find you and, and get in touch yeah. with you if they want. It sounds like you've got some systems and then this book too, that they can access and help them out with some of these things. The most helpful thing I can offer as far as the advice and the coaching that I'm talking about today is to join. I have a master class. And so I just take six women only a year. And then I work through those systems that I talk about so they can be superstars in their field. And then also a member course, but that'll be available with all the links. But I love this kind of practical, realistic way of coaching. Okay. Well, thank you so much for that. I will point people in your direction and do it confidently because I know you're helping a lot of people and inspiring them. And so I just, I thank you for being on today. So appreciate it, Rebecca. Yes, thank you so much. It's been a blast. Hey everyone, Jason Van Ruler here again. Wanted to check in and just say, I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. At the end of every interview, I sit down for a couple of minutes with my journal and my pen and I write down what I took away from that. And I have to tell you, I mean, this season I have taken away so much. It's just like I'm learning. This is like a huge education for me. And so I hope it is for you too and that you're enjoying the show so far. If you are, now might be a good time for me to tell you a little bit about my goal for 2021, which is to help a thousand people realize their what's next. And so if you're like me and you want to help other people do that, I'd ask, could you leave a positive review if you're liking the show or subscribe or even maybe share that? I think the more that we share this information and get it out, the more people see that they can do it too. Lastly, thanks for listening. This show has been such a blessing in my life. I could not have imagined how this would have gone in this journey. And so I just thank you for being part of it. Mm-hmm.